So we are going to return to our study of 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, my name is Mark Fesmeyer, if you haven't met me. And we started this a few weeks ago. I said to us, you know, sometimes if you've been a believer, a follower of Jesus for a while, certain words become so common that we don't think about what they actually mean. And we lose the richness and the significance. And I think one of those words is gospel. We use that word a lot in Christian circles. And so what I wanted us to do was study the chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. It's a long chapter, and I'm finding as I study it, it's getting longer because there's so many good things for us to talk about here. But I wanted to just quickly review the things we talked about the first two weeks. So the first thing we said is the word gospel actually means, you can do better than that. You really can do better than that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it means news, as in events that have actually happened on the earth. And this news is so good because it has changed the world. There is a difference because of these events. So the second thing we talked about was the resurrection of Christ is significant proof that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Now, that doesn't come to play. It wasn't exactly spelled out in the verses that we looked at, but it'll become clearer as we work our way through the rest of the chapter. And then the final thing we talked about last time I talked was belief. And we saw how belief in these events is different than just kind of knowing about events in history. I said, you know, I, I believe that, that George Washington was the first president of the United States, but that doesn't transform my life. But these events, when we understand what they mean and we trust them, we recognize that Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth. And that's going to, again, become clearer as we uh, study a little bit more. And that explains why Paul says what he does in Romans 10 about how if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God is raising from the dead, we will be saved. So there's a connection to all of this fitting together. And we're trying to explain that as we work our way through this, this, um, this chapter. And just to kind of encourage you that you see this when you read the New Testament, I just want to show you one more verse from Acts and give you an example of how Paul proclaimed the gospel. So you know that he would go to places that had no knowledge of the gospel as he traveled around the Mediterranean areas. And so he, it's this is in Acts 17, and it says, according to Paul's custom, so this was his practice, this is what he would do. According to his custom, he uh, went to the synagogue, obviously, because of the Sabbath there. So he went to them, and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Remember, Paul told us that, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So he explains to him from the scriptures, giving evidence that the Christ, and remember that's the Greek word for Messiah, so giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. So that's how he proclaimed the gospel to people. These events are significant because they're showing us that God is still at work in his world, its world, and something dramatic has happened that changes it so that we could be restored in our relationship with God. Okay, so 
We're going to dig into the next few verses. We're going to look at verses 13 through 19 this morning. But before we do that, I'd like to ask you to pray. Would you just ask the Lord to clear your mind so you can focus on his word, and then we'll dig into it together, and then I'll pray for us. Father, we need your help when we come to your word because so many times we have so many other ideas and thoughts in our head that we can't hear from you. So I just pray you'd push all that aside for us that we may hear your word this morning and not just hear it, but do something with it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Paul has finished talking about this, the resurrection and, and about the fact that the Corinthians have believed that, that's in the verse 12, he says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection to the dead? But if there is no resurrection to the dead, not even Christ has been raised. So, part of what you have to understand about this is that in Greek thought, the idea of getting a body after death was not a good idea. They didn't necessarily think that you went out of existence, but they didn't think you were going to have a body in the future. And so there were some in this church that were confused about this in, in their neighborhood or in their relationship with, and they're saying, well, there's no such thing as a resurrection. And Paul seems to go on a rant here. I mean, you just you see how he just kind of, it's like that. we're going to get this pounded into us over the next several verses. So it continues. And he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. So like he just... <laughs> And what we're supposed to link here is Jesus' resurrection is so important for us to understand our resurrection. That there is a future resurrection. That people will be raised. They will have a body. And that's coming. That's our future. And, and he goes further. He says... For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. So the resurrection of Jesus is central to everything God is doing. It's not just that Jesus died for us. That's crucial. But it's also that he rose again. He has defeated death. And he has defeated sin. And so... If, if Jesus hasn't been raised, then everything about what we proclaim to people about forgiveness is, is empty. And so he says, your faith is worthless because it's all hinging on this event that Jesus has been raised from the dead. He was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and it was witnessed. This is a historical event that has happened. And then he goes further then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So if there's no resurrection of the dead, they're gone. They're just gone. They don't exist. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. 
Now, he says it even more dramatically a little later in the chapter, but the point we're trying to make this morning is simply how important it is for us to understand that the resurrection not only proves that Jesus is who he said he was, it also points to what our future is. They are connected, that there is a a resurrection coming. So how do we kind of understand this? And how do we, why why is he spending all this time? Because in Christian circles, we kind of know that. Excuse me. Okay, um, so let's let's think for a minute about about Greek thought. And if you go to Acts 17 again, you're going to find a story where Paul is in Athens. So remember, it was his custom to go to different cities, and he would start with the synagogues. Well, usually, what would happen after the church got started? Some of the Jews, not all of them, because some became believers, but some of the Jews would start trouble, and they'd have to leave town. So in this particular story, you can read it in Acts 17 this afternoon, he, he, they, they drop him off in Athens, and he's by himself. You know, so Paul's just kind of wandering around Athens, and he's looking, and he's seeing all these altars to all these deities, and he finds this one that's to an unknown god. And so he kind of takes that as a launching point and starts talking about this unknown god. And, and the Athenians love They loved ideas, and they loved to hear new ideas. And so they're curious about this guy, Paul. And so they, they, they bring him to Mars Hill. They say, okay, we're gonna, we want to hear all about this. And so you get the description of what he begins to say. He talks about the God who created everything. And then he builds up to talking about Jesus. And as soon as he talks about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneer. And they just walk away like that's ridiculous. And the reason for that was this view that the body is worthless. Like we don't want bodies, that when we're dead, we want to be kind of something else. And so there's this thought that it's just, it didn't fit their worldview. It didn't fit their understanding. And see, sometimes you and I can be in that, kind of fall into that camp because we hear this word flesh in the New Testament and we think spirit good, flesh bad. And that's that's too simplistic because sometimes when we see the word flesh, it's just talking about human effort. And human effort isn't evil necessarily. It can be evil, of course. We can do evil things. So we have to kind of rethink what our worldview is. So I got a picture for you. So when we read Genesis, in the beginning, there's God, right? Before there was anything, any universe, God existed. He's eternal. And what does he do? He makes the world, correct? And what's the last thing he creates? People, right? And what does he do with the people? He says, be fruitful and multiply and do we need to go back to Genesis? So he gives them authority. He, he says, here, rule over, 
rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle. He puts man in charge and he wants man to care for his creation. They are to manage it for him. And when he's done, he says everything is good. And when he puts man in place, he says it's very good. That's his design. So we shouldn't think of matter as inherently evil. It's not evil. It's God created. The heavens declare the glory of God. So creation shows God's goodness and his glory. So matter's not evil, but we know sin came into the world, and so things can be used for evil. And there is sin, and there is stuff that's wrong, and there is stuff that's bad. But we can't just simply go flesh bad, spirit good, because there's evil spirits. So we have to think a little more carefully about that. And so when the Greeks were saying, oh, we don't, that physical resurrection, like that's, that's crazy, that's, that's, that's disgusting, they're falling into some mistakes about understanding the nature of God's good creation. So I'm going to need a little help. Because I don't have multiple hands. So I need two people to help me. Volunteers. I mean, I can come get somebody. So, Nathan, thank you. <laughs> you don't have three hands? All right, Lolly. You can come? Okay. All right. We're going to put the world in your hands. Okay. All right. Just, just hold that for a second. We're going to put God in your hands. Okay. I spared no expense in the graphics this morning. Okay, so before there was anything, there was God, right? So put the, put the world right here. And he made the world, right? Right? Okay. And so lift it up a little higher. Okay, so now what we have is this is God's design, right? He rules the earth through people, okay? So there are some worldviews. Okay, take that away that go, the world is an imaginary thing, Eastern thought. And so it's just kind of an illusion, and we don't want to have anything to do with that. So we want to be caught up into the spiritual and become one with the, well, they won't say the universe, but so that's a, that's, that's, that is not a godly thought because it dismisses God's creation. Okay, I'll put this back. Pull it up closer. Okay, now take God away. So what has Western culture done? Western culture says there is no God, so we're in charge, and we can make this whatever we want it to be. And so that's where you get all these really strange ideas that are corruptive and destructive because God's excluded, okay? So now put them back. So what do we read in Revelation? There is a, a new what? New heaven and a new earth. So what's God going to do? When we have resurrected bodies, we are going to rule and reign with Jesus. So the future is the restoration of God's beautiful design. And that's why, hey, thank you very much. You guys were awesome. Give them a big hand. That's why what Paul says about the resurrection is so important for us to, uh, for us to understand 
because not only does it help us understand the truth of the gospel, it's based on events that can be verified, it also points to our future. So here's two conclusions for us. First of all, the resurrection is key to seeing the victory of Jesus the Messiah. Paul hammered the idea, if you do away with the resurrection, <laughs> you do away with the gospel. You can't have the gospel without the resurrection. And if you do away with our resurrection, if you do away with the idea that there is this grand future for us that involves physical, yes, it'll be a different kind of body, and we'll read about that later in this chapter, but if you do away with that, then you don't understand the good that God has designed for us. The scriptures tell us that it hasn't even entered our mind. Think about that. It hasn't even entered our mind how good his plans are. That's how amazing it is. So there is a link between the resurrection of Jesus and our future. Let me put it another way. Life is not short. Life is very, very long. You have an eternal future. Everyone you see has an eternal future. And the gospel is that eternal future can begin now and extend into all eternity with God. Or, if you reject him, separate from God. Obviously, the wise choice and the good choice is with God. And that's what we proclaim. But there's so much, so much more we get to study in this chapter. So I hope you read it with me. But I just want you to think about that this week, that my life is not short. My life is long. Mickey Mantle is supposed to have said that if I knew not, known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. And my suggestion to you is you take his advice and think about who you are and who you are becoming because you're going to be you for a long, long time. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that we have an amazing future ahead of us. And we pray, Lord, as we embrace that, that you will help us live as you would have us. May we see how good this news is and understand how we can live that out in all the places we go. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.